Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your end of the draft edition. This is Brian joined by Brad and John as always. Brad, how are you doing this fine day? I am ecstatic, Brian. Ecstatic because of the draft or ecstatic because it's over? Yes. That's what I figured you'd say. (laughs) (laughs) John, my brain is basically made out of jello right now. I feel yeah, it's yeah. like one of those things where like the draft is fun, but like for all the coverage, it's like exhausting. And this one specifically was very exhausting because Carolina yes. <laughs> traded down like sixteen times, like it was ridiculous. We 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 normally have our like our our people ready to like write the article and get it out there when somebody gets picked, and it was just chaos this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. This, uh, five trades. Multiple trades in the in the earlier part of the day um, on on Friday, just like we went from pick thirty nine to fifty nine or to fifty two to fifty nine to seventy. I mean, it was insanity trying to get all this shit straightened out, and we managed to do it, you know. But man, I am exhausted mentally. <laughs> but I'm I'm actually really happy. I think we nailed this draft. Uh, we got 11 players, which is insanity. I don't think we've drafted that many people in that, two years combined. Yeah, it's like two wow. years worth of drafts like with where we've been with. Of, yeah, where we've been with It's yeah. the most, it's it's tied for the most draft picks since 1995 when Carolina was drafting because they were, you know, an expansion franchise. Yes. Yeah. Which is the Crazy right way to do it. Just to like, like play, especially... I I get it being more hesitant about it up near the top, even though there is like merit to doing it anywhere in the draft. But especially once you start getting into day two and three, where nobody really knows anything and it's all just guessing, just get as many picks as you can. Yeah, as many guesses as you can make. Like that's what, and people don't realize this, but like that's what made Bill Belichick so successful at new england he's not a much better talent evaluator than everybody else no he's not at all draft picks he just has more more opportunities to get good players and scott fitterer seems to understand this so like of these 11 players it's safe to say that all 11 are not going to make the roster but if four or five of these guys turn out to be multiple year starters potential pro bowlers, second team or first team, all NFL, et cetera, then we nailed this draft. And you can do that when you have 11 guys to pick from. Yeah, it's like um, the difference, but like the odds of you getting like a really good player with like the 40th pick or like, well, we have the 39th pick originally and like a pick later in the second round isn't so much better that you can't like make up for that difference by having like multiple seconds or multiple third round picks, you know, like to, to get yeah. one where one of those, like that kind of like increases your odds over that one pick. Like it's like There's having a- one seventy five percent chance or like 
a sixty percent chance of something good happening. Like you'll take that second option. There's a reason why the there's you always see those tweets where it says X team has X amount of picks in the top one hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because exactly that point because you're you're throwing darts at the top one hundred players in the draft, and you get you're gonna hit you're more likely to hit if you throw four darts towards the end of it than you are you know at thirty nine. Yeah, yeah. We had four picks in the top one hundred. And if you expand it out to the top 126, because we picked 126 in the fourth round, we had five. And that's a lot better than what we would have had otherwise. Like on day two, we went in with we went in with two picks. Uh, we went in with 39 and uh, 73, I believe it was. And we ended up with 59, 70, 83. And then we also added several picks on day three and we added picks next year. So, you know, we accumulating assets is definitely the smart strategy. And, you know, fun fact, we essentially got Sam Darnold for free. (laughs) Yeah. All we have left is getting a second round pick. Yeah. Other than the second round pick next year, the second round pick next year, we got Sam Darnold for basically free because we can get that second round pick back next year. Well, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that Um, Matt rule and Scott and uh, Scott Fitterer on their press conference on Friday night said they paid for Sam Darnold because usually a third round pick this year is representative of a second round pick of the following year. So they basically did pay for him essentially. Like if they chose to use that second round pick to move up and grab somebody. Yeah. So in the end, I mean, it kind of equals out. I mean, next year, you know, we're, we're still going to be like, Oh, we don't have a second round pick if they don't find a way to replace it. But you know, could be worse. I mean, they, with all the jockeying they did, it essentially equals out. Yeah. I think we got to start talking about these players. we got 10 more players to talk about since we oh, talked yeah. about JC Horn. Yeah, we uh, talked about J.C. Horn on Thursday night, so listen to that episode if you want our, our breakdown of J.C. Horn because uh, we've already done that. So we're going to talk about <laughs> the other 10. Uh, so that means we start with Terrace Marshall Jr., the wide receiver from LSU. My my thought, my first kind of thing, well, one, um, I know, Brian, you said this, and I, I realized that when I was watching Terrace Marshall highlights, I was like, hey, look, we kind of we previewed that one. Because <laughs> we changed the uh, the picture that who Walker picked that one up first. Yes, put that story Walker, up. Walker threw me under the bus and and <laughs> took care of take putting my pre write together and publishing it. And he trolled me with that photo of J.C. Horn. And fun fact: the photo of J.C. Horn was him watching Terrace Marshall score a touchdown. Yeah, so that, was, that, was, cool that was pretty funny. I was watching Terrace Marshall's highlights, and I was like, I think it's what Leonardo DiCaprio that GIF of him like pointing at the TV. It's GIF. Like that GIF, the GIF of him like pointing <laughs> at the TV. Like that was me. He's like, hey, I saw that picture. That's that from the picture yeah. from uh, Jason yeah. Horn. <laughs> He's yeah, really I'm... good. He's like what we wanted Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin to be. Mm-hmm. Like he's really good. He's fast. He's big. He's a red zone threat. Joe Brady loves the guy. I That to me was a, a gift from Matt Rule to Joe Brady to keep him around. Uh, look, we got you the guy you wanted so you can stick around for a while. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to what he can do. I thought the, the big thing with that too is um, 
like seeing obviously we haven't seen Jamar Chase in the NFL yet, but like how good Jamar Chase is supposed to be and how good Justin Jefferson was for the Vikings last year. And then just knowing that like there could be more to Terrace Marshall that we just haven't like it hasn't been unleashed yet because of how yeah. good how much he had to share and like how good he was with those players with him. Like if he you know, he could easily have been like completely overshadowed by that much talent at the same position, but for him to still be have like 20, well, I guess we have 13 touchdowns with both of those guys on the field as well. Um, Yeah. I mean, that LSU offense was insanity. So, I mean, I'm really looking forward to to seeing what we can get out of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marshall has a nice, a very nice catch radius. He's very fast. He's got, he's big as the analysts have been saying all draft weekend, which I found to be hilarious is he plays above the rim. Um, (laughs) He, uh, he, what I was watching him make make plays essentially in some of the little bits of stuff I got to watch. I just saw a very good athlete, and I think he kind of was overshadowed by Devontae Smith and uh, Jamar Chase in this draft because they, those guys are like you know freaks. Where this guy is exactly what you want in like a a first round wide receiver, like a wide receiver two maybe. Like he's he's exactly what you want. Like he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism. He can, he can break tackles. He can run routes like, and the nice part for Carolina is that he can run. He can be what they call the big slot. Um, He means we don't have to re-sign Robbie Anderson to a deal. If we don't want to Mm -hmm. essentially, that's what he is. It actually, and the nice thing is if, even if they do re-sign Robbie Anderson, which I really think they should, he brings like a whole different dimension to the offense because he's the big, he's the bigger target. So when you have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson on the field, they require some attention. So it's like, okay, well now we're going to have this guy going up against probably the teams, the other team's third best pass defender, maybe. So yeah, I was really excited for that pick. I'm really surprised they got him where they did after they traded down so far. From every everywhere I'm seeing, that was a steal. Is what I'm is what I've been seeing from all the analysts. Yeah, you're going to so. hear that analysis a lot today. Just so, so you know, <laughs> listener, because um, we did that quite a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with with you, Brian. It was a steal. It was a great pick. He's going to be a a great addition. He's going to get a lot of yards uh, because of having to keep DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Christian McCaffrey in check. And he's going to benefit from that. And, I mean, he could be one of those um, surprising uh, in the conversation for, like, offensive rookie of the year type things. And we got him in the second round after trading down. Twice. Twice. (laughs) So, um. The next pick, we picked Brady Christensen, the offensive tackle from BYU. We Our told colleague y'all. Mick Smiley's favorite prospect who <laughs> wrote for CSR that he would be an ideal late day two target. Brian and I talked about it on the episode uh, with JC Horn that he would be a good target. We told you so. We, we picked him. Uh, he is a great pick. Uh, he is another steal. He is, he's a little older than most prospects. He's 25 when the season starts, but he's an offensive lineman. So we could get a decade out of him just fine. And I mean, I love this pick too. I do want to clarify something. It irks me to no end that people are criticizing him for having short arms. 
his arms are the exact same length as Panay Sewell's. So if Panay Sewell's arms are fine, so are Brady Christensen's. It doesn't matter how much melanin are in the arms. The length is the same. It's fine. I want to get that out of the way first. The worst also, part about – go ahead. First. No, you uh, go first because mine's, mine's not as useful. I, all I was going to say, he's also a hyper-athletic talent. Yes, he is a tackle. very high Again, RAS score athlete. Beam for the draft. Um, my only thing was like watching watching some Brady Christensen. The worst part was just being sad that uh, watching all the Zach, amazing Zach Wilson throws. I mean, like, man, yeah, it'd be cool. <laughs> but hey, yeah. Sam Darnold yeah. can make those throws. It's fine. <laughs> it's um, fine. but yeah, I mean, everybody, the the Panther, and they will we'll go. We'll get more to it later. But I think it's always good to just kind of keep drafting middle round offensive linemen like every year. To just, I think we should do that too. It, we should make it a point. Every third, we've had success fourth with round, too. we should pick an uh, an offensive lineman. And we've had, success. I mean, like the offensive line wasn't bad last year, and it was a hodgepodge of like, you know, like cast off veterans and mid mid late round picks and stuff like that. Like, I, you piece together an offensive line that way. You, like, obviously, you prefer to be able to take like elite prospects, but I think you can. I think there's enough of a um, sampling of middle round offensive linemen that kind of work their way into being really productive players that you can do that and have success with it. Can like over the long term, Right. And uh, the nice thing too, is that Brady Christensen fits into uh, what it seems like Matt rule really wants out of his offensive lineman, which is versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I granted, I'm not an offensive line guy and I'm sure we'll have Eric on the show to, to really Eric and maybe even Mick Smiley to on the show to really break down Brady. But from what I've been seeing as far as uh analysis of the pick, he can play offensive tackle. He can play guard. So it's one of those things where you can find a place to fit him in. And Carolina has, you know, some answers, at least at left tackle, not, not the best answers, but some. So if he slides into a better spot, then, you know, yeah, we at least have something to choose from. Right. Like everybody ever it's like every single uh offensive tackle prospect that gets picked after like the first round might have to kick inside the guard. Say that about every single one. Yeah. But it's just like guard is just like where the bad offensive tackles go to die. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um But then Carolina after that with the eighty third pick selected Tight end Tommy Tremble. I'm just going to let Brad go because I believe this is your favorite guy. <laughs> this, he, Tommy Tremble is my new favorite pick. I originally was all aboard the J.C. Horn and Terrace Marshall fan bandwagon. I love Tommy Tremble. I love this kid. I I mean, it's just the way he plays the game. He likes hitting people. He enjoys blocking. He enjoys running over people. He doesn't catch very well yet. He didn't get very many opportunities to do that at Notre Dame. But my God, just put on the tape and watch him maul people. It is absolutely beautiful to watch. Uh, he's getting com- he's getting comparisons to George Kittle coming out of college because George Kittle was an underutilized receiver as well at Iowa. And I don't know if he will develop into an elite pass catcher like George Kittle did, but my goodness, the blocking side of his game, we basically replaced Chris Manhurts and Alex Arma in one guy because he can play H-back too. And he is a perfect fit for this team. Christian McCaffrey is going to love this guy. 
Uh, I think that DJ Moore is going to love this guy. And I, I can't say enough good things about the kid. I'm just going to say this. Somebody in the Panthers media, I don't know who asked the question, but they asked him about how his intensity on the field will show. And his answer was, you'll see it when I knock a dude on the ground. <laughs> if nothing else, he definitely has the, uh, the demeanor of George Kittle. Yes, I the, like, cannot the physicality wait to see this yeah. guy on the field. I cannot wait. Yeah, obviously, like we'll have to, we won't want to put the expectations of George Kittle on him. But it yeah, is don't worth do knowing that, guys. That, yeah, don't let's not <laughs> let's not call him George Kittle. Let's let I think it was Todd McShay that said that. Let's yeah. let them say that. Let's mm-hmm. just say, oh, this guy is Chris Manhurts that might turn into a better a better Chris Manhurts. Yeah. So let's let's keep the expectations low, but my goodness, there's unlimited potential with this guy. Yeah, yeah. And his name is Tommy Trimble, which is and his super name fitting. is Tommy Trimble. I mean, we have an elite list of names coming yeah, up. We'll get it some more later, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, um, this is great. I mean, he's a great pick. I also will say of the of the very small sample size of a uh, routes running I saw from him, he definitely has what it takes to be a tight end in the NFL. I mean, like. Tight yeah, end he gets up the seam very well. Yeah, he, he. I was gonna say he runs a hell of a seam, like, and he's definitely not afraid of you know getting cracked in the head by a safety when he gets the ball. But uh, I think like I think the NFL nowadays with tight ends is a lot more of um of figuring out where you need to be more so than being a really good route runner. And uh, we saw that with Greg Olson for how many goddamn years? And I saw a little bit of that with him when I was watching him run routes, like. He'd run the out route and be in the right place at the right time. It wasn't like he was wide the fuck open. It wasn't like he broke the guy's ankles. He was just open enough for their quarterback to hit him. And uh, I think he can develop into that. But yeah, I agree. The I don't. I wouldn't set the expectation this guy's going to be a top tier receiving tight end. But he's going to knock the fuck out of people at least at least from day one. Like he is a great blocker, and I'm very excited about the way they can use him because. Obviously, as we've said, Matt Rule loves versatile players, and he can play H-back, he can play tight end, he can play fullback, and all I see is misdirection runs where Christian McCaffrey gets to pick where he's going to go, and that guy's just going to blow the guy up, and Christian McCaffrey will set that block up for that motherfucker to get driven into the ground, and I am excited. (laughs) Uh, I I cannot wait. I want them to play next week just to (laughs) watch this guy run over people. Uh, He's athletic, too. Like, he... There's a highlight clip of him jumping over a Clemson defender and the guy wasn't even dipping towards his knees. Like he legitimately leaps over a guy and it's, it's just insane. Yeah. He has, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was say he has lateral agility. He's actually very fast. Like this isn't the same kind of prospect as like a tight end. Who's pretty good at blocking. Like I'll, I'll just say Chris Manhurts. like Manhurts is good at blocking. This guy is athletic as fuck and good at blocking. Yeah. Like that's the difference. Like you can. Yeah. His one weakness is if you throw him the ball, there's a chance he might not catch it. A, like a good chance he might not catch it. (laughs) I saw he had more drops than touchdowns. Yeah. He has, he has a problem with drops, but you can coach that. I mean, it's, it's coachable. Like it's not, it's not guaranteed to be fixed. And if worst case scenario, he's a, he's Chris Manhurts and he's the third tight end and he comes in to block. Like you can get a f- five or six year career out of that. Before Look we move Chris on Manhurts. 
Yeah. Before we move on to the next prospect, let me just pose a question to you guys. Every time that the Panthers have had a receiver who's really who had like a bad drop, what happened after that? Like a good receiver. They went right back to him on the next Exactly. Play. Notre Dame never did that. Like he yeah. wasn't able to get into a rhythm. Like that like I think one thing that's lost on the art of being a wide receiver in the NFL is that there is a rhythm to it. Like there's so many different actions that are involved with making a catch in the NFL, like foot placement, hand placement. Where's the defender going to be? What move am I going to make? Like all that happens in a split second. So, and it's, it's kind of the same in college, but I think it's amped up a certain degree in the NFL. Um, so for a receiver to catch up, to like be thrown the ball once or twice a game, like when are they going to get in that rhythm? Like, and be ready to catch a ball and be, and be like in their element. Like I kind of think, that might be making an excuse for him, but I definitely see it as someone who had played receiver at one point in time. Like if you're not getting the ball thrown to you, you're not getting the reps. So like drops are going to happen, I think. Yeah. So you're saying that we're going to throw it to him like eight times in a row. I think we should (laughs) until he he catches it. (laughs) Yeah. You throw the ball, you you just throw him the ball three straight times. And uh, he rule on the sideline. Now, Tommy, if you catch this one, we'll let you hit somebody. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's the motivation. That's the motivation. You get to block people. If you catch this third and and eight. Every game, they'll start off with like a, with like a play action rollout with like him running the crossing route. Like, all right, we'll let you block the rest of the game. Good job, buddy. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 17 catches for like 20, 25 yards or some crap. Yeah. <laughs> but he'll have, he'll have like seven D cleats to his name. Eight, eight, he'll run those motherfuckers. 800 over. pancake blocks. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We drafted uh, my second favorite. Well, third favorite by default, but second favorite player out of this draft in the fourth round uh, at 126 overall, we took Chuba Hubbard running back from Oklahoma state. I think this might be the steal of our draft class. This guy is a dynamite running back. You're not saying this just because of his name. No, I am not. His okay. name, the big, there's a big downside with his name and that is not Chuba. It's not Chuba. It, it should be Chuba, but it's not. Uh, it's Chuba, unfortunately, but no, Still he is it. not just, he's not just his name. He was the nation leading rusher in 2019. He had over 2000 yards, uh, Matt rule faced him when Matt rule was at Baylor and he torched Baylor for 172 or three yards and two touchdowns. That's why we drafted him. Matt rule called him on draft day and told him that his wife made him draft him because <laughs> of how bad he embarrassed Baylor that day. That's really funny. He had 5.9 yards per carry and 36, 33 games. He had 36 touchdowns and 3,900 yards from scrimmage. So, no, he's not just a cool name. He's a legitimate star player that we stole in the fourth round. Yeah, I was surprised, and I think it was probably because his 2020 season wasn't that great relative to what his uh, 2019 season was. Yeah, if he would have come out out last year, he'd have been a first or second rounder. Yeah, yeah, I remember him being like kind of like that talked about like wait till next year when Chuba Hubbard's in the draft, he's going to be like that next top tier running back. And he kind of had a down year. He only averaged, he averaged less than five yards per carry, which isn't great in college for like a top tier college running back. But it's like, I mean, he ran for 2000 yards in 2019. Like that didn't just go away. Yeah. So 
wasn't his wasn't his NFL comparison Mike Davis? Or am I thinking of someone else? Someone else. I think that was someone else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you just. Oh, that was all I had I'll to look contribute. him up real quick and see. <laughs> but um, but no, he's he's very fun to watch. I, that's like he's very he's very smooth. He's a little like robotic. Like he doesn't have like the Christian McCaffrey like wiggle, but he's very smooth at like finding the, like finding openings and kind of like cutting to to play off his blockers and stuff like that. That's always good. Yeah. His NFL comp is Devontae Booker. I don't like Devontae that. Booker. You don't like that. Yeah, Devontae Booker wasn't very good, but he's also it's a fourth round pick. He's a running back. Yeah, and we're in a, it's a, it's a good situation for him to be in because yeah, he's, he's not going to be. He's Christian McCaffrey's backup. Like he's yeah. not going to have to start. And he's honestly, it's uh, Chuba Hubbard, Reggie Bonifon, and Trenton Cannon are competing for two spots. Essentially, don't forget about Rodney Smith. Oh, and Rodney Smith. Yeah, we got four guys and two spots. So, yeah. and I think we'll keep Chuba Hubbard. I think they'll keep him because Matt Rule really wanted him. So I think it's Bonifon, Cannon, and. Smith competing for that last spot. Hopefully it's Reggie. A, yeah, hopefully it's Reggie. Uh, that's a pretty solid running back group, I think. I think so, too. I mean, we're fucked anyway if Christian McCaffrey gets... Yeah, I mean, it helps yeah. that it helps that Christian McCaffrey is the, for, the number one guy, but... Next, we took uh, Davion Nixon, and the first thing I noticed just, like, watching him was, like, it, one, he... he looks smaller than 313 pounds yeah he's he very, moves he's a very fluid athlete but he moves super well for a defensive tackle yeah he had a not 71 just, yard pick six he picked off a screen and took it to the house yeah and not just like that, that that opinion is not just because he ran a long distance and was like hey it's a big guy running a long way he's such an athlete but just like there were a couple times um watching like highlights and stuff where he has like the backfield against quarterbacks or running back ball carriers. And he's able to kind of like mirror them and bring them down without getting like, without them turning the corner on him or like being able to juke him out or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I will say with him as well. Uh, number one, he was somebody that appeared to have, at least in the small amount of uh, research I did, he appears to be somebody where we got him later than most people expected. Yeah. He was a third um, round graded defensive tackle. Number two, he comes from Iowa, and one thing about Iowa, like even like they they don't they don't produce like the the best athletes, like the you know like the JV and Clownies on the defensive line and stuff like that. But on defense, typically they produce some pretty good NFL caliber players. Like they yeah, usually have very good football. boys are good. Yeah, like <laughs> they they typically produce like guys who are very fundamentally sound. Um, you know, they're typically ready for the NFL when they get there. Like, you know, I'm not saying the guy's going to be like a high tier starter, but as far as a rotational depth piece, I mean, like I, if, if the, if the guys coming from Iowa, I have pretty high expectations for them just because that's what Iowa does. They churn out decent NFL athletes at the very least. Yeah. AJ Epensa or Epineza, however you pronounce that from in for Buffalo was from Iowa. Uh, Mike Daniels is from Iowa. JJ Watt. Um, JJ Watt. Um, he didn't go to school at Iowa. He didn't go to school at Iowa. He's from Iowa. He yeah, went to Wisconsin. <laughs> um, well, well, Davion Nixon's from Wisconsin and went to Iowa. So 
<laughs> yeah, same. Basically different. the same thing. Let's yeah, see. exactly. Um, Tristan Wirfs, George Kittle, those aren't defenders, but still good players. Brian Belagos from Iowa. C.J. Beathard, well, he's not really good. Um, <laughs> Josh Jackson, <laughs> cornerback. T.J. Hawkinson, um, Noah Fant. Like, they they produce good players. Yeah. So, I, I think he'll be okay. I thought our next pick, the, the our first fifth round pick, Keith Taylor, was kind of the only pick that was kind of weird to me. This is yes, the second fifth round pick. This is the our only pick, yeah. yeah. This is the only one I didn't really get, or at least I didn't see where they were coming from. The only part of this that makes any sense to me is Matt Rule talked to him at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> like he didn't even coach him; he was on the other team. It's kind of a recurring theme for these some met, of these yeah, last picks. He met with him at the Senior Bowl. The guy has no interceptions in his career. He's got decent size, uh, but he is one of the lower-rated RAS score. And we'll talk more about that later. Um, but he's one of the lower RAS score guys that we drafted. He's average, which says a lot because we drafted a lot of elite score guys. And he the, the statistics don't really show a reason to draft him, but it's the bottom of the fifth round or the middle of the fifth round, I should say. And (laughs) I don't, I'm not mad about it. I just, I found it odd. Yeah. It was, it's one of those where it's just like, well, I mean like wait and see, but it was kind of funny reading his scouting report to go to the NFL.com because it has like the bullet points. And they said that like, he's got good tools for a press corner, but they also was a lot of just like, yeah, he's pretty big. And, stuff um that's about yeah. it it's like he only allowed that a, good sorry i was gonna say he only allowed a 43.4 percent catch rate against him that's good now it could be that because he's a press corner this could be like a chris gamble situation where he didn't get any picks because nobody threw his way mm-hmm. you know it's, it could be one of those type deals and he could just be jc horn backup insurance type thing I think for Keith Taylor, it's more, he's very, it seems like based on what I've read of him and I haven't done, I haven't had the time to do a whole lot of research. Cause you know, we drafted him today. Um, but it seems like he's very good at contesting the catch point. And yeah, yeah. that is something that you want in an NFL corner. Granted, like the, and, the yeah, interceptions, and to be fair, the, interceptions are luck based anyway, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, Pass deflections are a certain stat, but the ones like one thing that's not really considered a stat is when you go up, wide receiver catches the ball, you knock it out of his hands. It's not considered a pass deflection usually. It should um, be. Yeah, so it should be a completely different stat because to me that's actually better. Yeah, like so for me, like based and this is just me being optimistic and kind of projecting based on what I've read of him from different scouting reports, but it sounds like he's a pretty good press corner who isn't great at forcing turnovers at least at this point in his uh development and that's something where Carolina is clearly trying to inch towards being more press based obviously because they drafted JC Horn um and this guy you know he's in the fifth round so it's somebody you it's it's more of a project like if he doesn't work out it's not like anybody's gonna give Matt Rule shit because it's a fifth round pick but yeah this is the guy I think if all 11 guys don't make the roster he might be the one that doesn't yeah. Because yeah. I think the next pick that we took 
has a real good chance to make the roster. Uh, the next guy we took not only has a chance to make the roster, I think he might be a starter. That is, yeah, Deontay Brown. Deontay so, Brown. Yeah, and I understand there's like concerns about and athleticism and stuff, but I feel like at a, like if there's one position where that stuff doesn't really matter that much, it's at guard. Yeah, at left guard, all you have to do is be fat. <laughs> Andrew Norwell that- didn't get drafted because of measurables and uh, he turned out to be an all pro guard. So yeah, all you have to do is be fat and get all you have and be able to move in a straight forward line. And Deontay Brown can do that. Like he pancaked Derek Brown multiple times when Auburn and Alabama played, I think it was in 2019. And I mean, you know, you can't, you can't, like hate on the guy for that. Derek Brown's pretty good. I mean, we drafted him in the first round. So um we clearly think Derek Brown's pretty we good. We clearly so. think Derek Brown is pretty good. <laughs> so uh, the guy that gave him problems is probably a good idea to pick him too. And I don't think he will have much problem finding a way into the starting lineup considering our depth or lack thereof at guard. He's also a big boy. He is also a very large human being. Um, like he one, looks like Vince Wilfork ate Kyle Love. <laughs> he looks like Blastoise. Yeah, yeah, he does look like Blastoise. <laughs> um, one thing too, I think that the uh, the at least the Panthers side of Twitter, since Carolina was so athletically forward in this draft, they're kind of like overanalyzing the athleticism of prospects. Um. And obviously, as you said, guard doesn't necessarily need to be the most athletic player in the room. Um, But it sounds like, based on what I've seen from, uh, you know, actual offensive line evaluators on Twitter, I'm not going to name them because some of them are assholes. But um, (laughs) they uh, it sounds like he slid down the draft boards more so because he had a six game suspension from the NCAA for team misconduct. I don't know what that was all about. Alabama. So. I mean, I can't imagine what you do to get six-game suspension in Alabama. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. The, the thing that's more of a, a red flag to me is apparently he had weight problems. Apparently, at one point, he hit 375 pounds while he was in Alabama. Um, that's fine. Which, which him well, left guard. Which, well, <laughs> gra- well on top of Stick that, it's a, si- it's a sixth-round pick, so you can afford to burn that on somebody who – may or may not have a have issues controlling their weight because for all we know he gets his shit together and he turns out to be a starting guard because he he was in the he was playing for Alabama he was going against the best of the best in the college and he never allowed a sack like so yeah. clearly he's got a chance like honestly like for me of all the the late round picks Carolina made in day two like he's the guy where I could see him starting day one without and I wouldn't be surprised at all like yeah. And it wasn't just a, well, he didn't give up any sacks because he didn't play that much. It was like 875 snaps where he did not allow a sack. Yeah, I don't, it was surprising to me when I saw that stat was like, I get there are other concerns, but like, how did offensive linemen that never allowed a sack get picked in the sixth round? I I mean, I legitimately, I hope he looks at this situation and uses it as motivation. Yeah. Like, because he should be pissed off at the world because there's no reason that this guy should have lasted as long as he did. Yeah. The nice thing for him, too, is that 
as far as dietary concerns and whatnot, if he's got problems with his weight, he's now going to a pro NFL team where they have people there to help you with that. So he's, he's also, also got going a to, a, to a significant amount of barbecue and um, <laughs> he will also so, yeah. be a, a, a rather rich human being to be able to pay for nice food or have someone. Yeah. But I'm yeah. actually looking forward to seeing what he can do. I, I think this is a good pick. I know that a lot of people are upset and concerned, but I don't think there's reason to be upset. Yeah. You want an it's interior offensive line depth? That's what we got. We got interior yep. offensive line depth with a high ceiling in the sixth round. What the fuck more do you want from us? Jesus yeah. Christ. We we gave we gave you what we what you've been asking for for multiple years now. We got two offensive linemen in this draft, y'all. Two. We haven't and and both of them are quality guys. Like so I mean, I don't see any reason like to be both could be starters in the next couple of years. Both could be starters. I think yeah, uh, for all we know, for all we know, he starts at left guard and uh, Christian starts at left tackle. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That could be the left bada side bing, of our line boom. for the next 10 years. Yeah. So anyway, let's move on to the uh, the next pick. Um, this is the Bradley Smith special. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Brad. Tell us who we, tell us who Carolina drafted. We got to talk about my boy, Union County, South Carolina's own Carolina Gamecocks own Shy, also known as She Smith, <laughs> the wide receiver from South Carolina. Now, I don't know if it's Shy or She. According to his draft profile, it is She, but according to literally everyone who has ever said his name on television, it's Shy. So I don't know. So we're going to call him Shy because that's what everybody calls him on television, like during every, I've watched most of his games and it was always shy Smith. So if it's she, he probably should do a better job at letting people know that. I was going to say good, uh, good first like interview question is, uh, how do you say say your your name? name? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this kid now it's well known at, at cat scratch reader, my hatred for Will Muschamp. And it's well known that I kind of went on a, a protest of Gamecocks football for a couple of years because I absolutely hate Will Muschamp. And in case I you did not hear me, I hate Will Muschamp. I fucking hate him. <laughs> but Shy Smith can ball. I mean, this kid is tough. He's undersized, but he's really good. And I'm honestly surprised that he lasted as long as he did. I'm going to look up his stats real quick. I can't believe I didn't have them already fired up here. Uh, Yeah, he had 174 catches for 2,200 yards, 13 touchdowns, and then no touchdowns rushing. But in Will Muschamp's offense, like he is – terribly underserved by being in such a terrible offensive concept from Will Muschamp. But I mean, you know, the kid produced when he was given an opportunity and he is small. He's at 5'10", 190 pounds, but he's kind of like Curtis Samuel sized. So there's a chance we drafted him to be a poor man's Curtis Samuel. 
or like a poor man's Debo Samuel to or bring a poor man's to, Debo Samuel or South a Carolina. poor man's uh, Demir Bird or Pharaoh Cooper <laughs> or one of these other guys from South Carolina that that he kind of compares to. Um, but he's tough. And I'm not comparing him to Steve Smith, so do not get this twisted. But he plays the game the same way. Like, he will go up and contest catches. He will get dirty. He will take hits. He will get in traffic. He will get you yards. He He's not as good as Steve Smith, but he obviously. has the same, obviously, but he has the same traits. He has the same fire and competitiveness and uh, I couldn't be happier to see him in Carolina. That was just kind of what stood out to me was like how much where it's like, he's like what five, nine, five, ten, like 185 pounds. And uh, South Carolina was like throwing like jump balls to him. Yeah. That that's Will Muschamp for you. <laughs> but Let's I mean, take to, our but it's and throw jump balls to him. Yeah. But like he, he seemed to make it work. So like, I think, yeah, he like, did make it work. I mean, he, I think he's a, as a special teamer. For mm-hmm. a year or two, maybe kick return, but I, there's a role for him. Yeah. So, and he's and then I guess this is the caveat for all of these, like six round pick, two hundred and four overall. Yeah, day three, like there's just there's no reason to put expectations. Real expectations yeah, on day three, at, especially after the fourth round, and I've always felt this way. Rounds one through four are where you find your starters or potential starters. Mm. Rounds five, six, and seven are where you just start throwing darts at the dartboard to find depth, special teams guys, and lottery picks. Like, that's what we're trying to get. And I think Shai Smith is a special teams guy and a lottery pick. Speaking of special teams guys. Speaking of special teams guys. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) We took the ultimate special teams guy, Thomas Fletcher. The specialist of teams. The long snapper from Alabama. So it's really funny hearing the like ESPN draft people talking about long snapping. And I, my question is just in general, like I understand the concept of sna- scouting long snappers of like, let's see how like quickly he can get the ball back there. How accurate he is. When among your scouting process, do you size like, all right, it's time to pop in the tape of the long snappers in this class. And that's a question I don't know if I'll ever get an answer to, but we kind of had a leg up on this one because, again, Senior Bowl. I mean, I don't really have a lot to say about it. It's a long snapper, you know. All right. Well, Brad and I'll take the lead on this he's, one because we talked snapped, about him for like balls. five minutes. Yeah. Brad and I talked about about uh, Thomas Fletcher for a good ten minutes before the uh, before getting on the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's a long snapper. I mean, I. It makes sense when you think about it because, yeah, I know a lot of people have asked, well, J.J. Jansen signed a one-year deal with the Panthers in March, and that is true. But, one, J.J. Jansen is 35 years old. Two, please excuse my dumb shit dog. He won't stop whining. It's Um, like you can barely hear it. Okay. But, two, um, the deal that he signed is non-guaranteed. So we can cut J.J. Jansen and save $980,000 against the salary cap with no dead money. So I think this might be the the year that we transition away from J.J. Jansen to Thomas Fletcher, the new long snapper. My only criticism with the pick, and Brad, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, is I know where you're going with it. I'm going to let you have a, it. There is a, another, another long snapper was picked like three picks later. 
and I would be willing to sacrifice whatever potential difference in production there would be from that to get a long snapper named Cameron Cheeseman. Cameron Cheeseman is an elite name, and long snappers play for a decade. Just having the cheese, like just Cheeseman, Cheeseman on the field for something, for jokes, to just like make special teams kind of funny. Like just, I don't care if he snaps it. If like at one out of every ten snaps, there's a chance he'll <laughs> snap it into the stands. I don't care. It's worth it to be able to have a guy named Cheeseman. Plus, you could do like the old Steelers, like the Heath chance, and do cheese if you're ever like making yeah, tackle on special teams. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it would be, it would fit right in with Luke. Yeah, I mean it's perfect. Yeah, perfect. Oh, well. And they ruined it. They ruined it. Better be worth it. You better not mess up, Thomas. Yeah, Thomas you Fletcher. Got a lot of you pressure have to on you now. Michael Jordan of long snappers. <laughs> and then we have one more pick. And I'm sure we're going to go real deep into this one. Phil Hoskins. Yeah, Phil Hoskins. I'm going to be honest. I have no idea who Phil Hoskins is. Well, he played for Kentucky, and I I grew up in Kentucky. He's a defensive tackle. That's all I know. Like, I don't know anything else about the guy. Yeah, basically, he just seems like he's – Before we started recording this show, I had time to look. Yeah, basically, he sounds like he's, like, quick and nimble, but not particularly, like, strong or, like, a good anchor, but he can be disruptive. Based on what yeah. I can just kind of read, cut out there. But I'm assuming you say he's three, like he's throwing another dart at the dartboard. Yeah, your mic's fucked up, buddy. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I don't know if there's a whole lot to. There really um, isn't much. Yeah. Yeah. Again, with the, the same thing, seventh round pick, uh, especially picking another defensive tackle. We kind of have like a a glut of late round defensive tackles, kind of competing for jobs. Um, well. And they they did sign a couple. They did sign a couple of guys uh, yeah. over the off season. So it's kind of like one of those things where it's just like you're looking for depth. So just throwing darts at the dartboard, whether it's the random people that might be in free agency, whether it's the random late dra- late round guys. Not to say that the guy they drafted towards the beginning of the of day three is a is a scrub because I think he actually will be good, but. You know, it's just one of those things where you're just trying to find the guys who can come in when you know your your big starters are are gassed. So yeah, guys that you, that'll be on the like have a chance to make the team, and if not, they'll be like on the practice squad or be on like your speed dial to come yeah. back whenever whenever you know that know the system and that fit your culture and yeah. And even then, like you know, you let you let that guy go, and then you go snipe a guy off somebody's practice squad or mm-hmm. off a of cuts, and you find depth, like you know. That that last pick, the very last pick, is of little consequence. It was just somebody <laughs> yeah. to bring in some a body and see what they got for the defensive line. The equivalent, it's just basically the equivalent of the guy of if we have our list of tar, of free agent targets, and yeah. this guy is just like one of the guys near the top of our list. It's just Ooh. like oh, we'll go ahead and grab him now, so we don't have to worry about fighting anybody for him in free agency. Right. Okay. Can you hear me now? Sure yes. can. Okay, I don't know what happened there with my internet connection, but okay, okay. I'm back. Anyway, yeah. he's the 232nd pick in the draft, is what I was trying to say. It doesn't uh, matter. Yeah, it's like, what saying. yeah, how good or how bad he is, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, to the to, to like what I was saying, it's just like another guy to bring some depth in, and uh, you see if it works. It's just like basically again, like it's it's you probably have the same expectations for 
for Phil Hoskins that you do for like whatever couple players we sign um, as undrafted free agents. Yeah, that's basically what he is. He's a UDFA. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to mention one thing. I think we're done talking about the draft. Yeah. Okay. I want to mention one thing uh, before we go. Uh, Stay tuned for, I guess it'll come out Wednesday, uh, depending on John. But okay, we're, going, on me. we're going to have um, a special episode for you that we are going to record this week. Um, we're going to speak with Kent Lee Platt from um, the RAS. I don't know if you've heard of this. It is a scoring system that judges athletes based on their athletic ability. It's a 10-point scale. Uh, and if you follow it, we have a lot of guys that score highly. It's called Relative Athletic Score. Uh, Kent Lee Platt has done a lot of work with Pride of Detroit. He's a part of the SB Nation family. Uh, he's going to be on the show um, next week to talk about our draft picks and talk about the process of how RES works and how we used it to approach our draft. So stay tuned for that. It should be an exciting conversation, uh, especially if you're into um, – statistical analysis and stuff like that for athletes. So um, we're looking forward to it and we hope you are too. I'm looking forward to it. Someone to, to talk about nerd stuff. Yes. I, yeah, I like too. My nerd stuff. I definitely, I've talked with Kent before. Great guy. So it should be a good time. Sounds good. Anything else before we I think up? that's I think about it. The draft is the drafting Mr. Irrelevant as we speak. And Great steward. Greg Grant Stewart, Grant. and so we yeah. should be now looking into UDFAs and the future Hall of Famers that are going to sign with us. Absolutely. <laughs> looking for the next training camp MVP. That's right. Stay tuned with CSR for our UDFA uh, tracker. You know, keep up with that. I'm sure there will be guys that you're really interested in who are definitely going to make the team getting signed there. But from all of us here at the Keep Sounding Podcast, this is Brian joined by John and Brad as always. And we hope you enjoyed the draft. We hope you enjoyed the Panthers draft picks and we will have a lot more evaluation of them to come here in the next few weeks. See you. Later.